Good to see all of you. Really glad you're here this morning. My name is Greg. Your name is? Hi. Good to see you. I uh, want to start with a picture this morning. A few weeks ago, Thad and Noel Adams uh, had uh, multiple kids that needed to be in multiple places. They reached out to us to see if we would watch uh, Royal for a little bit, and we were like, absolutely. Great grandkid practice. We don't have any yet, so we're looking forward to, you know, practicing other people's kids. So uh, Royal came over, and we decided to take him to Spoons with Spoons Yogurt uh, by Kroger of of, uh, of north side of town. And so we went up there, and we started eating, and uh, Royal got one of these, uh, it's like a frog. It's like, a, you seen the little, the little wormy things, the little, you know, the stuff that's got like enough sugar in it to like keep you awake for four days. Well, he had one of those and uh, we decided to snap this selfie, and, and right after we snapped this selfie, he turned to me, and this, this sweet little innocent, just, you know, just uh, this wonderful little boy who just loves the Lord and loves people, he, he looked at me and he said, I can see your nose hair. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, it was, a couple things happened instantly there, you know, first of all, I was like, okay, so obviously I need to trim my nose hair, but, but the second thing that happened was that when you're up close and personal with somebody, right, you can kind of see some of the flaws. You can kind of see some of the things that need to be corrected. And so we are kind of at that place as a church. We got to get up close and personal with one another for a season. And we got to have some honest conversations and some open conversations and some loving conversations about what's happening um, uh, in our fellowship and in our church here and um, in other churches with whom we are affiliated, particularly in our context and obviously churches of Christ. Um, There are a few things that I need to say before I begin today's message. The first is this. I I love this church. Um, I love being here. I love working with our staff. I love being in your lives. I love having you in our lives. The past three years have flown by. We have had some ups and we've had some downs over the past three years. Um, But through it all, there are several consistent threads that run through the DNA of this church. I think there are Our love for God is one of those threads. Our love for His Word, our love for one another, our love for our community. Sometimes we have spoken and acted too quickly, too brashly, too proudly. But generally speaking, we come to our senses and we do what family does. We work it out. The second thing I want to say is this. I I love churches of Christ. There are certain parts of us that I don't particularly like. But this is a fellowship that I dearly love. As I preach these three lessons last week, today, and, and next Sunday, I hope and pray that you will give me the benefit of the doubt. That as I share with you, I mean our church, nor do I mean our fellowship any harm. We can and we must have open and honest dialogue about what it means to be followers of Jesus Christ. And we must be mature enough 
to talk civilly and constructively, even when we may strongly disagree. I mentioned a book by Francis Chan last week called Letters to the Church, and he makes this observation. Nowadays, people are eager to fight. Many are on edge, waiting for anyone to misspeak so they can pounce. It is in this environment that the Lord tells us to be eager to maintain unity, Ephesians 4.3. I believe there's a way to show kindness and grace to one another without abandoning our convictions. I think that's very well said. Third, we must not fall victim to a the-sky-is-falling mindset. Uh, there are many churches, particularly in long-term established fellowships, who are losing people. And yes, many churches are closing their doors, and many more will. But no matter what, God was, He is, and He will be the great I Am. It's not a time for us to panic, but I do think it is time to have a sense of urgency. And I hope and pray that after our sermon is over, you will say, okay, God, you got my attention. What can I do to be part of the solution instead of contributing to the problem? Satan is bringing it strong. But I believe that he who is in us is greater than he who is in the world. Fourth, this is a time to pray for our church leaders. Now, I've quoted Francis Chan quite a bit over the last few weeks. You may be thinking, are we the church of Francis Chan now? No, that's, that's not what's going on. But I read his book, Letters to the Church, a few weeks back, and I have to tell you that the first person that I believe needed to repent as I was reading this book was me. And it so strongly convicted me, his words did, that I, for many years, have had my eye on the wrong target. And I really appreciate particularly what he writes in letters to the church about church leaders. And this is what he says. For those who are not in church leadership, be mindful. This is a very difficult time to lead. I have been in leadership positions for over 30 years. There has never been a time like this. Social media gives everyone a voice, and so everyone chooses to raise theirs. Voices are plentiful followers are not strong opinions are applauded humility is not i'm not saying the changes do not need to be made among leaders i'm simply calling for grace imagine how difficult it would be to coach a team where each player refuses to follow because he or she has a better plan than the coach welcome to the american church in the 21st century and then he makes this wonderful observation let's exercise some humility this next preface is extremely important. If you are a guest here today, if you were invited by someone or you're just dropping by to check us out, I want you to know we're so very, very glad that you're here. And we want to get to know you and we invite you to participate in the goodness of God here. And I, I do want you to understand something that you may not know about Churches of Christ. Uh, each church is autonomous. We do not have a state headquarters or a national headquarters. And so what may be true for one church of Christ, or actually what may be true for many churches of Christ, may not be true for this church. So we're having an open conversation about challenges that we face 
in an attempt to love you and to love our community well. It's not about airing our dirty laundry. It's really more about an open conversation about some health issues that we are struggling with as a church, as a fellowship. And so I kind of thought about how do I express that? How do we get this ball rolling? How do we have this conversation? And I was speaking with Kelly Davidson and we were kind of batting this back and forth and and thought this might be a good way to at least start. Think about it this way. Over the past few months, you haven't been feeling right. You're not exactly sure what's going on. But you don't seem to have the energy that you used to. When friends ask, how are you doing? You say, fine. But inside you know something just isn't right. You change what you're eating. You even begin to exercise a little bit. And and you know there's a day or two that you think you might be feeling better. But then you wake up one morning and you're dizzy. And you're disoriented. And you think to yourself, I've got to get to the doctor and so you schedule an appointment the doctor asks several questions examines you orders some tests and then tells you to come back in a week and you schedule the follow-up visit and and seven days later you're back in the doctor's office i have some good news and i have some bad news the doctor tells you i'm going to start with the bad but I, i need you to listen to everything that I tell you, and not just hear the bad news. The bad news is you have a heart disorder, and if it's left untreated, it will be fatal. But here's the good news it's fairly common, and it is treatable if, and this is a big if, if you are willing to have open heart surgery and then carefully follow a treatment plan you got to have a hopeful outlook and and by the way the support of your family is going to be critical as we move forward now it's it's possible that some of you in this room can relate to a conversation like that you may have actually had a conversation like that with your physician You may have been told something similar, whether it was heart or cancer or some other issue that requires a surgeon getting in there, removing or repairing the bad, and then post-operation working a follow-up plan for you to be as healthy as you can be. The doctor is going to help you create the plan, but you have to decide if you're going to work the plan. Your health ultimately boils down to this. The plan won't work unless you work the plan. Church, are you with me so far? I'm not convinced. The plan won't work unless you work the plan. Are you with me so far? So with this story fresh in our minds, let's imagine churches of Christ as a patient. Over the past few years, things just haven't been feeling right. We're not exactly sure what's going on, but we don't seem to have the energy that we used to. When friends ask, how are you? We say, fine. 
all the while knowing something just isn't right. We change ministers, we launch new ministries, we, we learn new songs, we even try to exercise the spiritual disciplines more, and things seem better for a little while, but no matter what, we just seem more and more disoriented. And we wake up one day and we realize we've got to connect with the great physician. And so we reach out to him in prayer. The great physician asks several questions as he examines us and and puts us through a season of testing in which he asks us to pray and study and fast. And he tells us that he's coming soon. And we wait. We hope to hear from him quickly, sometimes wondering if he's forgotten. And when we find ourselves almost at that place of wit's end, he calls out to us, I have Some bad news and I have some good news. By the way, good news is my specialty, he says. The bad news is you have a heart disorder. And if left untreated, it is fatal. But here's the good news. It's fairly common. And it is treatable if, and this is a big if, If you are willing to have open heart surgery, spiritually speaking, and then carefully follow my counsel, a hope-filled outlook and the support of your family is going to be critical as we move forward. Now, I know that no illustration is perfect, but I think in many ways the scenario I've just described us where we find ourselves as a fellowship. I'm going to share some numbers with you today, the most valid data that we have had in Churches of Christ for many years. Data that may not be easy to hear. That's the bad news. But there is good news. And the good news is that God's plan has come in the form of a person, Jesus, who is the Christ And if we are about what he calls us to be about, as we will see shortly in our text for the morning, then many years from now, we will be praising God as we witness life after life changed by the power of good news from those within this church's circle of influence. So here are the statistics. From 2006 to 2016, about 58 Church of Christ congregations closed each year. We may think this is a very recent phenomenon, but but this actually has been happening for a while. Current average Sunday morning attendance among Churches of Christ in the United States is 94, and 54% of Churches of Christ average 34 people in attendance on Sundays. Now, there's a caveat here that probably makes sense to a lot of us, and that is when you think about how we kind of formed in the United States, where did many, many of our churches end up being established? In rural America, right? And a lot of people in rural America are abandoning rural America and they're moving into cities um, and, and more urban areas and suburban areas. And so we have to keep that in mind. However, this number, these numbers, it serves as a pipeline on multiple occasions for other churches in urban areas. And we're starting to see some decline there as well. 
I want you to pay attention to this graph. Uh, this shows in 2016 where our numbers were. We were at 1,177,783 adherents in Churches of Christ. I know that's pretty small print, but if you will notice at the end, there's 2,049. If we remain on our current trajectory, and this is a big if, but if we remain on that trajectory of losing about 5% of our membership, this is what's happened over the past three years, if that trend continues, then by 2049, we will be at about 650,000 members. I also want you to understand that the individuals who put these numbers together and who validated what we see here note that this is best case scenario if we don't make some pretty substantive changes. If you look at this numerically as far as congregations, in 2016 we were at 12,237. By 2049 we will be at 6,960 congregations in our fellowship again this is if there are no major changes so my hunch is you're experiencing a range of emotions as you reflect on this information from anger possibly to sadness from disbelief to indifference from denial to acceptance and and I personally just feel a mix of emotions but the two that are most dominant for me it's kind of odd that I'm feeling this but I, I feel sadness and I simultaneously feel optimism I'm sad because I hate to see people whom I love and and care very deeply about grieve the loss of their faith communities, particularly in rural America, uh, which is being hit the hardest. But I also feel optimism because I believe that God is leading churches all over the country, not just in our fellowship, but I think he's leading churches all over the country, including ours, to lean on him like never before. I believe he's calling us to pray and to process together in love and to grasp openly and honestly with necessary changes if we are to reach people who are unsaved. The first and most necessary change that is needed, I think, as I look at this, is church, I think we got to think in terms of a change of heart. Do we believe that people who do not know Jesus as Lord and Savior, do we believe they are lost without Him? If the answer to that question is yes, then does it not make sense that we should be open as disciples of Jesus Christ to examine every barrier that might stand in the way of bringing good news to them? Doesn't that make sense? I'm going to have more to say about that next Sunday. For now, the patient has been to see the great physician. And the great physician has a treatment plan that will help us get over our heart issues if we trust his counsel and if we follow his prescription. And I never cease to be amazed at the Holy Spirit, how the Holy Spirit of God works. The elders and the ministry staff, we have known since last November that this was going to be our text today. But we did not know last November that this data, we were going to have access to that over the last two or three weeks or so. Um, It casts today's text, I think, in a different light. 
perhaps positioning us to understand even better what Jesus' audience was feeling that day. You see, they were a people who were unsure about their future, a people who lived in a highly skeptical culture, a people whose lives had been complicated by burdensome rules and regulations placed on them by the religious elite. Jesus speaks words of hope to them, words that we're going to consider for a few moments today, words that will ready us for conversations and transitions that lie ahead. Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is life not more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? And, and why do you worry about clothes? See the flowers of the field? See how they grow? They don't labor. They don't spin. And yet I tell you that even Solomon in all of his splendor was not dressed like one of these. And this is how God clothes the grass of the field which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire Will he not much more clothe you? <laughs> oh, you have little faith. So don't worry saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? The pagans run after those things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. And therefore, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Now, while every verse in this passage is important, I, I want to take a look at a principle or two in some of these verses that we have just read. And then I want us to specifically focus this morning on verses 33 and 34. Michael Wilkins helps us understand the context and how Jesus uses this term worry in this passage. Worry is inappropriate or wrong when it's misdirected, is in wrong proportion, or indicates a lack of trust in God. It is the latter sense that Jesus addresses here. This is about trusting God. When Jesus calls us to orient our heads and orient our hearts around kingdom of God living, one of the things that is manifested in our lives is we're not going to worry. We're not going to fret. We're not going to be anxious because we know no matter what, God has got it. There's also an interesting response that we see here. And I, I had never heard this quote before. It was uttered centuries ago by, by Martin Luther who said, God provides food for the birds, but he does not drop it in their beaks. So you see, God has put in us this, this ability to not just sit passively and, oh God, we're just going to sit here and we're just going to wait on you. There are times that we need to do that. But God has given us His gospel. He has given us His word. He wants us as His followers, as disciples of Jesus, to put His word into action. 
The various translators of modern Bibles love to break the text into sections. If you're looking at this in your Bible, you probably see a section header in the verses before and a section header over these verses that we just read. I think in this particular section, I think that's a mistake. I think there is a direct tie to verses 19 through 24. I think it's actually all one long section. Jesus emphasizes and then he re-emphasizes in what and in whom kingdom of God people place their trust. So I developed a, a thematic tie, kind of a scripture verse mashup to help us understand what Jesus is trying to help us see here. Where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be also. Verse 21. The stuff of the world, it's not your chief concern. Verse 32. Instead, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. That's the greatest treasure there is. And all material things that are necessary for life will be put into their proper perspective. I want us to drill down on these a little bit this morning. I want us to dig a little bit deeper. Notice this first phrase. Where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be also. Now, we talked about this last Sunday. So if you've not had a chance, please visit our website. Listen to the podcast of last week's sermon. In short, we noticed last week that we gravitate toward that which we treasure. So church, let's make sure we're treasuring the right things. This is going to involve intense scrutiny of what we do and why we do it. And I pray that you're willing to engage in those conversations over the next several weeks. I'll say more about that shortly. The next phrase that I want you to pay attention to is, the stuff of the world is not your chief concern. The stuff of the world is not our chief concern. And when I say stuff, I mean material possessions. It's so easy to get wrapped up in our possessions as metrics of our success based on the image that we want to project. And not only can that happen to us individually, it can also happen to a group of people. Gary Miller talks through how a church can be duped into ineffectiveness by focusing on the wrong outcomes. And this is what he writes in his book, Church Matters. Satan can cause a church to become ineffective either by not addressing cultural pressures and slowly becoming assimilated into society, or by focusing on being different from our culture and forgetting the hurting people all around us who need the Lord Jesus. The first has little to offer a drifting society, while the second has little focus outside of themselves. Satan is pleased with either extreme. The stuff of the world is not our chief concern. The stuff of the world should not be the metrics by which we judge success. I want to talk more about this next Sunday. There is a difference in being influenced by culture and informed by culture. Do you see that difference? We don't want to be influenced by the stuff of the world, but to be informed by it, to know how to respond to it, to know how to share, to witness, to give, to give faith to, witness to what, what really, really matters the most. That's kingdom of heaven living. Jesus says, instead, I want you to seek first the kingdom of God, and I want you to seek his righteousness. That's the greatest treasure there is. Again, I'm quoting Francis Chan, but he just puts this so beautifully in in, in kind of good news, bad news tension that we talked about earlier in his book, Letters to the Church. And he notes, many of us make decisions based on what brings us the most pleasure. This is how we choose our homes, jobs, cars, clothes, food, and churches. 
we pursue what we want. And then we make sure that there are no biblical commands we are violating. In essence, we want to know what God will tolerate versus what He desires. Maybe we are afraid to ask what will bring Him the most pleasure. Ignorance feels better than disobedience. Wow. That's the bad news. But here's good news. The good news is that by the grace of God, some of us are seeing our failures now and are training ourselves to prioritize His desires Scripture is our starting point, not desire or tradition. Rather than thinking of what we would enjoy or asking others what they would like, we ask the simple question, what would please God the most? Instead, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Jesus says, that's the greatest treasure of all. What happens if we do all of this? What happens if we follow the counsel of Christ here? There is an outcome. And it is that all material things that are necessary for life, your Father knows you need those, all of those things will be put in their proper perspective. Church, when this happens, when communities of faith get this, they can live out that which first century Christians model so beautifully. Consider what we read in Acts chapter 2, verses 44 and 45. All the believers were together, and they had everything in common, and they sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. And the question for us to consider is this, as we reflect on this text, are we in this for God, or are we in this for us? If we're in this for God, then we are going to be willing to love each other the way that Acts 2 Christians love each other. If we believe that we are in this for God, then we're going to do all that we can to walk alongside people who do not know Jesus and love them the way that Jesus loves them. If we believe that we are in this for God, then we are going to stop spending most of our time arguing over one hour a week and spend more of our time living every hour of every day seeking first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. I saw what this looks like firsthand this week. As I, along with about 50 other people, stood in Judge Steve Smith's courtroom as Jason and Angela Heinemann, along with their four children, welcomed Sarah, Lucy, and Catalina Joy into their family. When asked why they felt this was the right thing to do, to welcome these little girls into their hearts and homes, Jason Heinemann said the following, Nothing introduces a person to Jesus Christ quite like family. All glory to God. Seek first His kingdom. Seek first His righteousness. This is a movement of the Spirit that is making its way through our church. It has been for many years. I want you to note there's a handful of pictures on screen of recent adoptions. We could add dozens more if we just went back a little further in time. This is seeking first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. This is church. This is good news. What we do in here is important, but it pales in comparison to what we do out there. 
And I'll have more to say about that next Sunday. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 6. Praise be to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace which he has freely given us in the one he loves. If you read that verse and just yawn, I don't, I don't know what else to tell you. I don't know what else to do as a minister of good news. I said at the beginning of my sermon that I, I hope and pray that when our sermon is over, you will say, okay, God, you got my attention. How can I be part of the solution instead of contributing to the problem? As we move forward, I have some challenges for you. The first challenge is this, church, please keep the world's stuff in its proper perspective. Heaven and earth will what? Pass away. But the word of the Lord will stand forever. I challenge you to, to seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Please immerse yourself in these words of Jesus. Say these words of Jesus to yourself over and over and over again. I challenge you to pray for our elders as they pray and process and lead us. They are going to be interacting with you in various types of conversations over the next few weeks. Please pray now for God to leaven those conversations with much love, with much mercy, and much grace. Because those conversations are going to lead to action. And we need to be prayed up and repented up as a church if we are going to converse well. The last thing I want to encourage you to do is just to be the church. And here's the thing. You already know how. I don't have a new plan. I don't have a new strategy. It's just seeking first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. If we do that, everything else begins to fall in place. You know how to do this. One quick story. Friday night, we had the opportunity to go to the Boston Pops. The orchestra was here in town. It was a wonderful performance. The music of John Williams. I was transported to all of these movies that I've seen all of my life. I was mesmerized as I watched the people play and perform. It was incredible. We got to the end. They had a surprise for the audience, and they played the Aggie War Hymn. The harpist was sitting at the very front. She was on this end of the stage. And, of course, everybody knows there's no harp in the Aggie War Hymn, right? <laughs> so the harpist didn't play. She just stood there and watched the audience all jump to their feet, all move in rhythm, all sing loudly, all be enthusiastic, all be engaged. And I got to tell you, I wasn't watching the audience. I was watching her. And you know what? She was kind of freaking out a little bit. I don't think she'd ever seen anything like that in her life. She was mesmerized as she looked out and watched this phenomenon occur. You know why everybody in the audience did that? Because most everybody in the audience knows what? How to be an Aggie. You know what most of us in this audience should know? 
how to be a disciple of Jesus. So let's go live it. Let's do that. Let's be that to the glory of God, our Father. Church, we're going to sing together this morning. And as we sing together, I'm going to ask you, just love on each other. (laughs) Reach out, take a hand, pat a back, give someone a hug. We've got a few more lessons to learn and a few changes to make, but those changes start with the change of our heart. Let's stand together. Let's sing.